is the most convincing UFO footage ever filmed in the possession of YouTube's favorite buffoon. And then we meet a little girl who's changed since her family moved into a new house. And while her family is concerned and can't figure out what's going on, the secret to her self-destructive behavior may be hiding inside the closet. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter, I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. I have three pounds of cherries in my fridge. I don't eat fruit, it's for a friend. I almost feel like my fridge is going to blow up because of all the freshness, but someone who can be as fresh as they want but never explode, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Everyone give it up for Colin Raymond. Woohoo, yeah! <laughs> He's all walking in, eating a big bowl of cherries. He's allergic to cherries. After we call 911 and revive him, Colin, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. I really do. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. You can also vote for us in the monthly Paranormality Magazine Paranormal Podcast of the Month poll. You can vote once a month. I really appreciate it. We're moving up on the charts on that one. That's really cool to see. Colin, let's go ahead and start off by tossing you... The keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We don't we haven't used this one in a while. The Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We're gonna leave behind Dead Rabbit Command, glide us all the way out to Nevada. Flying all the way out to Sunny Sunny, Nevada. There is a question going around the world of UFOs. Now, I, I, and this has really popped off. I think all you guys read the newspaper or at least see the headlines from time to time. We're getting a bunch of stuff, obviously, like the Senate, the U.S. Senate's looking into UFO stuff. Uh, uh, U.S. Senator Marco Rubio has recently come out and said, there's serious stuff they are not telling us. Like, apparently he had some briefing and he's like, you guys, you guys won't believe what's coming out. They're looking at actually trying to pass a law or trying to have some something on the books that says, and this is dangerous. This is super dangerous for multiple reasons. This is how I'm not threatening them. I'm not making this threat, but you're going to see a lot of dead senators. <laughs> you're going to see a lot of dead senators soon. I hope not. But they're looking at passing these laws that say, if you work for a institution, like I think it's specifically government institutions or Groups that get money from the government, which would be like Lockheed Martin, would be these big groups. Most major corporations get money from the government. If you do that, and you are working on retrieving these unidentified aerial phenomenon type vehicles, aka a UFO, if you're if you're working on retrieving them or reverse engineering them, it's crazy that we even have like senators talking about this stuff. If you work for an agency and you are retrieving these fallen vehicles or you're trying to reverse engineer them and you don't tell us, it's like these massive fines. And I think some jail time, too. I'll put some articles in the show notes. This is coming out. They're basically going to say you have to reveal that you're working on this tech or you're in trouble. 
There's, I mean, this is you're messing with people that <laughs> they probably have laser guns, right? They probably have these fully automatic phaser rifles, and they're like, "Tell us what you know." It's not that I don't disagree with that. I get why they're why they're doing that. It's basically forcing disclosure. They're like, "Listen, if you're reverse engineering something, you have to tell us. You can't keep it hidden from everybody." You can make the argument about keeping it hidden from the public at large. But they're saying you can't keep it hidden from the Senate. Like, we're paying you. Super dangerous, though, because this is the way that, you know, airplanes explode <laughs> with like six different senators on it. Again, I'm not making I'm not making threats at all um, because the people who would be behind these black book projects are not going to be like, well, you know what? Uh, they're threatening us with that uh, new law. So uh, let's <laughs> let's reveal all of this transdimensional technology we've accumulated over the past 50 60 years really really interesting time to be living in where you're a ufo researcher but we got like so we have the official government stuff going on and that that's really making the news like you'll see that in regular newspapers we're seeing these legitimate news sites and these government <laughs> senators and stuff talking about this it's awesome i i think it's really cool honestly but on the other side you still have, like, that's the high-level stuff. That's like looking at the totality of the phenomenon. On the other end, we still are looking at individual events and what can you piece together as a civilian? Because, again, this is going to make it so they have to disclose it to, you know, the government. But they're not necessarily going to say, yeah, yeah, we figured this stuff out 60 years ago. This is a way that we can, you know, shoot a laser beam all the way to the moon and have it bounce back and blow someone's head off in another country. That's the height of the technology we figured out. But that's like the the totality. That's like the top-down view of the phenomenon coming from the government. And then on the other side, we have these smaller stories that are really trying to verify, as far as on a civilian level, what is this? And that's where we get this question that's been popping up a bit. Does Logan Paul... Famous YouTuber Logan Paul possess the most convincing UFO footage ever filmed. And there's a real twisting path to try to get to the answer of this. This question's popped up a bit. So the way that this all rolled out was that there's a filmmaker, there's a UFOologist and filmmaker named James Fox. He recently made this documentary called The Phenomenon. I haven't watched it myself, but I people seem to really like it. It's about UFOs. He made this video about UFOs. Now, Logan Paul, I get it, him and his brother Jake. Jake Paul, I think Jake doesn't do YouTube stuff anymore. I think he's just boxer. But, you know, they're the guys who are, like, lighting their swimming pool on fire. And Logan Paul, um, I think, was the guy who did the Suicide Forest video where he's like, look at me, everyone, I'm in the Suicide Forest, and there's a body from, hanging from a tree. That really kind of stymied his YouTube career a bit. Now he does a podcast called Impulsive. And to his credit, he has guests on there that, I mean, obviously he's he's aiming at a much younger audience. And he's bringing people who may not be interested in the UFO field, who may not be interested in these topics. He's bringing them onto a show and it skews very, very young, which I think is fantastic. I think it's fantastic. I actually like Logan Paul. We did a um, episode a long time ago, I'll put it in the show notes, where we talked about a documentary, or it wasn't even a documentary. It was a spoof video where he went to a flat earth convention 
And it was fun. It was actually funny. Like, he had some skits in there. It was funny. It wasn't super mean-spirited, which I think would have been the easy route to go down. Well, he has James Fox on his podcast called Impulsive, which is a fantastic name. But anyways, Logan Paul has James Fox, the director of The Phenomenon, on his podcast. And James goes, you know, there's footage out there. There's apparently some footage out there that was filmed back in 1995 or around then, the 1990s. That is the most people say who've seen it. That is the most convincing UFO footage ever filmed. And Logan's like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, I actually have met the guy who currently owns it. He's not the guy who filmed it. The guy who currently owns it, his name is Chuck Clark. He lives in Nevada. He's also a UFOologist. He's currently in the possession of this videotape. And apparently, James Fox watched the video and then offered Chuck Clark like 20 grand for it. I'll give you 20 grand for that video. And Chuck goes, no, I I don't want to sell it. So Logan Paul hears this story and he goes, well, if he didn't take 20 grand, maybe it's not enough money for him. So... Logan actually tracks down Chuck Clark and says, hey, I want to come out. I want to watch this video. And he go, and I kind of want to make you an offer on it, too. I think he let him know that ahead of time. But anyways, Logan Paul goes out to Chuck Clark's house in Nevada. And Chuck's like, two men filmed this video back in 1995. I'll show it to you. And Logan watched it. And Logan goes, I will give you a hundred grand cash right now for this video. This is the video as it is described. James Fox described it in detail. He was on the Joe Rogan Show, episode 1976, my birthday, of the Joe Rogan Experience. He says the video set up like this. It, it, apparently, it starts off in the middle of the phenomenon. It starts off in the middle of what's going on. It's two men in a car. I believe the, I believe it's videotaped in Nevada, but I could be wrong on that. It's two men in a car, though, and there's a light shining down on top of the car. They have this video camera, and whatever is creating this light is above the car, like directly above the car. But James said, even though the saucer, even though the UFO is outside the car, the light is able to penetrate the car, and everything in the car is completely lit up. So whatever this light is, it's able to penetrate the roof and it's lighting up the entire interior of the car. And you hear the two men freaking out. They're basically having heart attacks, squirming in their seats, trying to hide from this thing, but they're at a complete stop. You hear them screaming, it's over the top of us, it's over the top of us. And the light that is coming into the car, it's swinging kind of back and forth like a pendulum. So it's not like this static spotlight. The light is kind of moving around in the car as if whatever is above it, whatever is projecting the light into it, is also in some state of motion. One of the men grabs the camera and jumps out of the car. And James said the UFO is so close to them. He goes, you could have hit it with a rock. It was that low to the ground that you could have propelled something at it and it would have impacted onto this UFO. And then I'm going to read this quote from James Fox because I think it's just better to hear it in his own words because he's watching this video. It says, quote, if you could imagine the skin on the craft, 
glowing like phosphorus on a beach. That's what it looked like. Like the skin was alive. And it had a yellowy-orange color to it, but you could clearly see it was a disc. I'd never seen anything like it. And it just wobbled like it was unstable. Unquote. James Fox says, once you see the, the disc, once you see one of the men get out of the car and get a close-up view of the disc, it's so close to them, the video just ends. And Logan Paul's watching this video, and he said, I'll offer you $100,000 for this video. And cash, right now, it's ready to go. And Chuck goes, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn you down. I'm not going to sell this. So the question, does Logan Paul possess the most convincing UFO sighting ever? The answer is yes. So James Fox was on the Impulsive show and talked to Logan Paul about this video. And then James Fox went on the Joe Rogan experience and said, hey, you know, Logan Paul went to go see this video, offered the guy a hundred grand, the dude turns it down, but Logan Paul had hidden cameras on him. Logan Paul had a button camera sewn into his clothes. So after this Joe Rogan interview came out, obviously Logan Paul has to respond, is that true or not? And he goes, oh no, that, that's totally true. I have the footage. I had a little hidden camera on me. I recorded it off the television set. Now here, there's a lot of interesting ways to look at this. On the one hand... I think it's a little slimy, right? I think it's a little sneaky. Like, from a personal privacy level, if I found out that one of my compatriots was secretly videotaping me, I would feel absolutely betrayed. If I found out that someone I barely knew was secretly videotaping me, I would feel absolutely betrayed. But, Logan Paul, his reasoning behind this it is a little slimy, but I can understand where he's coming from. He goes, first off, this isn't Chuck Clark's video. He bought it or somehow came in possession of it himself. It's not like he had filmed it himself. So it's not his to hoard. He goes, two, you shouldn't be hoarding stuff like this. Logan Paul goes, I've never seen anything like it. He goes, I honestly think this is the real deal. I think this is the most authentic UFO footage. And if that is the case, he should not hold on to it in his library. It should be spread around the world, like if this is proof of the UFO phenomenon, it should belong to everybody. So I videotaped it secretly because I felt like he shouldn't hide it. And then the, you have the question, okay, well then where's the, where's the video at? If you believe that it should get out there, now you have a copy of the video, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not posting it anywhere. He goes, for a couple different reasons. There are a couple different reasons that were listed here. One of them, he goes, first off, I want to show it to Bob Lazar, who's a big name in the UFO disclosure community. He goes, I want to show it to Bob Lazar. I want to show it to him and see what he thinks. Totally fine. But it should be out there. But here's the other thing, and I've seen this in a couple different articles. They said two other things he has to be leery about is one... The government, right? If he actually has UFO footage, does that put him on a hit list? 
Does that make the government, will that make the government want to come after him and silence him, which they've definitely done in the past in matters like this? The guy who just had the videotape in Nevada, Chuck Clark, he wasn't showing it to, well, he was showing it to, you know, like certain people, right? But it's not like he was trying to upload it to YouTube. Logan Paul, <laughs> Logan Paul is YouTube. He would definitely upload it there. So he's afraid that the government come after him. That may or may not happen. Like I said, now you have senators trying to get this stuff out in the open. I think more likely he's worried about the legal ramifications. He, it was someone's private property that he then, in a sense, stole. It'd be no different than you going into a movie theater and videotaping a movie and taking it out. The movie theater didn't make the movie. The movie theater doesn't even own the movie. They're just showing it, right? They have it for a window, a, a time period, four weeks or whatever, and then it's gone. They don't own it. The studio, the people who filmed it, own it. So there could be some legal issues there. I think Chuck Clark could easily, you know, invasion of privacy, all sorts of stuff. On the one hand, it is cool. If this video footage is real, I found a couple of supposed screenshots. There's a link in the show notes that you can check them out. It's just like almost the GIF. It's just like three or four screenshots of just an orange disc kind of wobbling around. I can't say for sure it's from the video. I don't know its provenance. I don't know anything, but I'll put those in there if you want to make a decision for yourself. If this footage is real, it would be interesting to see. Logan Paul goes, there's no way you could fake this back in 1995. That's not necessarily true. Jurassic Park came out, what, in like 95, 90, you know, it was early 90s. So you could do it. You could do a lot of crazy things, special effects. Is it the most authentic UFO footage? We won't know until we see it. Will we ever see it? We don't know, but it's just an interesting, again, a little wrinkle. This will be one of those stories that I think gets folded into UFOlogy, where you have civilians trying to expose it. Now you have politicians trying to figure out what's going on. And Logan Paul, you know that it's not a bad thing to think, oh, someone might come after me, right? Someone from the government might come after me. And I'm surprised senators aren't treading a little more carefully either. But we'll see how this all plays out. Colin, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter we're leaving behind Nevada. We all have hidden cameras on our buttons. We now all have footage of it as well. We're leaving behind Nevada. Fly us all the way out to a house in the suburbs. We're standing outside this house, this house in the suburbs, and we're about to meet a young girl. Her name is Sarah. That's not her real name, actually. We're just making that name up. She didn't give her real name, but... Sarah said, when I was four years old, you know, I was hanging out with my family, as most four-year-old girls do, hanging out with my family, and I honestly don't have very good memories from this time period in my life, but my other family members, they witnessed this stuff. When we moved into a new house, apparently my behavior completely changed. We moved into this new house, and I began... Committing acts of self-harm, which at the age, I mean, at any age, it's tragic, right? But age four, I mean, that, that that's just heartbreaking. And she gave some examples. What she would do is she would run as fast as she could into windows head first, sometimes breaking the glass. Her family members said that multiple times she attempted to run out into the middle of the road with seemingly the intention of getting hurt. It wasn't like she was playing soccer out in the middle of the road. She was trying to get 
run over by a car. So we had stuff like that. There were drawings that she was making as a child. Drawings of the house on fire. Drawings of her stabbing her dad. That might be normal. I don't know. Kids draw some creepy stuff from time to time. But then we have that stuff. That would be alarming. That's when you, at the very least, might want to call a child psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever. Because the kid might kill him. Sarah might kill herself, right? She's running in the middle of the street. But now we also have these paranormal events that are happening in this house as well. She said, once I was walking down the stairs and um, someone pushed me. But there was no one behind me. I felt someone push me and I tumbled down the stairs. She said, once me and my older sister, my sister was older than me by about 10 years. We were walking down the hallway towards our room and suddenly we saw my toy castle fly out of the bedroom and smash into the wall. Smash into the wall so hard it actually damaged the wall. There'd also be things, these are kind of ordinary paranormal things if there is such a thing, but seeing shadows, people heard the sound of somebody crying in the household, strange music would start playing from time to time. So we have a troubled child who didn't have any trouble before moving into this house, but sometimes, you know, brain development, you know, kids can change. Now we have this paranormal activity on top of this. But really, this all comes to a head in Sarah's bedroom. Her and her older sister shared this room, and Sarah kind of had a little portion of it to herself in the sense that every single day, She would get her toys together, walk into her bedroom closet, and shut the door. She said I would be in there just playing with my toys in pitch darkness, right? Maybe a little bit of light coming in from underneath that gap between the door and the floor. But this little girl, Sarah, would sit there and play with her toys in the dark. And she did this every day. Until one night. Her older sister, let's go ahead and call her Jackie. Jackie wakes up and begins screaming at the top of her lungs. Of course, the parents come running in. You know, you're fearing the worst. They come in and Jackie's in a complete state of panic. She's trying to tell her parents what happened. She goes, I woke up and the closet door was open. And in the closet, I saw... A little girl hanging. She was wearing a dress and I could just see her lifeless body hanging from inside the closet. The very next day, Sarah and Jackie's father boarded the closet up. Broke out the old hammer and nails, some planks of wood. I don't know if he had to go to Home Depot or he's like, I don't know, this place is kind of creepy. I'm going to have to board up a door eventually. He boarded the closet door up. So now, no longer could Sarah go in there to play in the closet. I mean, she had a claw hammer and she could remove it each day. And it wasn't too long after that that the family moved out of this household. And Sarah and Jackie and the rest of the family kind of went on with their lives. And Sarah goes, you know, looking back on that period of my life, I don't have a lot of memories. I kind of have to go off what other people told me, as well as things that I've discovered as an adult. She said one of them was 
as an adult, she was going through some papers that she had accumulated from when she was in kindergarten. And that's when she sees, for the first time, this is the first time she remembers this, she sees the drawings of the house on fire. She sees the drawings of her stabbing her father. One of these papers, one of these papers she got from school, is a little checklist. A lot of times they do this in schools where it's like, my favorite color is red. My favorite TV show is MacGyver. On this one, there was the question, what is your favorite hobby? And Sarah wrote down, playing with the girl in my closet. Now, she doesn't remember ever playing with the girl in the closet. That's not something that was part of her childhood, as far as she can tell. But now she's seen written proof when she was of that age. Her favorite hobby was playing with the girl in my closet. Sarah also found out later, years later as an adult, the reason why her dad boarded up the closet wasn't just because of a nightmare. It wasn't just because of a waking hallucination. You're coming out of the dream state and Jackie's waking up and she's freaking out and she envisions something. That same night when Jackie was screaming about seeing the girl in the closet and woke her parents up, her father was having a nightmare. He was having a nightmare about a girl hanging in that closet. So he's like, no, I'm done. <laughs> we're we're going to be a one less closet family from here on out. He was having that nightmare when Jackie woke them up with her screaming. So, yeah, you wouldn't just take that chance. But now Sarah sees there's a bigger issue going on. Sarah says that even after the move, she continued to experience weird thoughts. She couldn't really place what could be causing them until she kind of started piecing these things together. But she goes, I would have these weird thoughts. Sometimes I would think about what it would be like to wrap a wire hanger around my neck and hang myself in the closet. She also stated, as she's gotten older, she's began to see this girl that she didn't remember. Like, again, when she was packing her toys up to go in the closet, she wasn't saying, I'm going to go play with the little girl. That, that wasn't part of the story. They just thought it was weird she played in the closet. But she goes, now, as I'm getting older, I'm starting to see this girl. She goes, sometimes when I wake up, I'll see her sitting in a chair in my bedroom. Sometimes when I'm not waking up, sometimes I'm just going throughout my day, I'll be watching television and I'll look and I'll see the little girl's reflection on the television screen. Sometimes I see that little girl hanging from the ceiling. Far after they've moved out of this house, far into her life at this point, she's still seeing this little girl and she goes here's the here's the real issue you could honestly say that maybe she's haunted maybe this ghost in the closet because yeah let's let's start breaking it down we're not done with the story but let's break it down a little bit the idea is almost like this little girl was trying to get her to injure herself to kill herself so the little girl would have someone to play with in that house forever and ever 
But all of those attempts failed. I mean, ramming your head into a <laughs> ramming your head into a window, any piece of glass is definitely you could easily die doing that. But they moved out of the house. So now that she's seen the ghost, now that she's seen the ghost, it's not like she's not remembering that. Obviously, she probably saw the ghost as a kid if she's writing that down on her paper. But now she's actively seeing the spirit following her around. Is it no longer trapped to that house? Is it now attached to her? Which is possible in ghost lore. It's not super common, but it does happen. Is that what is going on here? That would be the best case scenario for her. Because Sarah is thinking, what if I am not Sarah? What if the ghost girl in the closet is now inhabiting my body? I'm actually the ghost. It's possessed me so fully that I don't even know I'm the ghost. Like, that's why she doesn't remember her childhood, because that version of Sarah did die or got possessed in some fashion. So that's why she doesn't remember that. Now she is the spirit. Now she is the little girl in the closet, has inhabited this body. She's possessed. And she every so often gets a faint reminder of her old self, the ghost self. She says, quote, I don't know which girl I am. Ever since we left that house, I've had this disturbing feeling and connection to events there. Like she was the spirit. She has the spirit's memories. She no longer has her own childhood memories. She has been possessed. She does say, too, when she got pushed down the stairs, when her family found her, she, I guess, was laying at the bottom of the stairs. She said that she blacked out. And then her family roused her. So could that have been the point where this ghost took over? This narrative, it's kind of like she doesn't get... We don't know how long she's lived at the house in total. Like, again, it's kind of a piecemeal memory thing. So we don't know. She says, I don't remember stuff. But then she remembers blacking out, which is fine. You know, people do have Swiss whole memories for sure. Getting possessed would definitely cause that. But it's interesting. She's wondering if she's the ghost. Quote, what if I'm the ghost? What if I stole this body? It's definitely possible. Sarah may not be Sarah. She may be the little girl hanging in the closet that has possessed Sarah. But then that really leaves the question, where is Sarah's soul now? Is Sarah's original soul trapped in that boarded up closet? Sitting in the darkness, alone, afraid. But no one will ever find her. No little girl will play with her in the shadows. Because the door to the closet is sealed shut. And if a new family moves into that house, if they decide to unseal the closet, and they go, oh, yeah, I don't know why this is here. Um, we do need an extra closet. They decide to unseal it. Will Sarah's soul still be in there? And more importantly, will Sarah's soul try to get out? even though it means condemning another innocent child to the darkness that she spent all these years trapped in, will she try to get out the same way the first little girl got out? By possessing a human. 
She may not want to do that. She may know how evil that truly is because of all the torment that she went through. Trapped in that closet, hearing her family go on without her. No one knows that she's there. Hearing her family pack up and move and then the quiet stillness of an empty house for weeks or months until a new family moves in. She doesn't want to condemn another little girl to that fate. But Sarah also doesn't want to spend one more moment in that closet. One more moment trapped in that darkness. One more moment alone. So when a family does move in that house of the little girl, and she picks that room out for her own, Sarah knows that soon she will be out of this prison. Even if it means condemning an other innocent soul to take her place. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Yeah.